Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley and Alex Yankovic. Hello, 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 and welcome to Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. We are thrilled to be with you for another incredible week. If it's your first time tuning in, let's take a quick moment to introduce ourselves. We are Taylor Bradley and Alex Yankovic, both professional dancers of several years. And every week we just talk about dance. So we will invite a different guest on and just pick their brain about their successes, their failures, what they learned, and what they want the future generation to know. So there's a little something for everybody here from competition to dance team to concert dance, you name it, and we hope to cover it. Speaking of, we would love to hear what you want covered. So please feel free to write to us at our email, insidedancepodcast at gmail.com. While we're at it, let's stay up to date with each other on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Inside Dance Podcast. While you're there, make sure that you give our sponsors and our partners at Inside Publications a follow, specifically Inside Dance. You can find their handle at Inside Dance Mag. All right, Alex, how are you? What's going on? Fill me in. Oh my goodness. We are good. We are, I feel like very productive every day. I'm trying to remember. I feel like I say the same thing every week where I'm just trying to give myself breaks, which is She's awesome. consistent y'all. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm just getting ready to uh, go to my brother's wedding. And so uh, laying low for that, like COVID wise right, right now. Right. Um, and just to make sure I'm like double triple safe um but yeah i'm really excited for that and so just getting all that stuff prepared because i'm going to be helping out with makeup and other bridesmaid stuff so i just want to make sure it's hard when you have to travel across the country i just want to make sure i have everything i need but totally i'm excited for that are you an anxious packer i already started packing okay see like a week see this is this is who we are (laughs) Alex will start packing. <laughs> I bet you have like a color coded binder and I'm like, cool. My felt leaves in 20 minutes. Maybe I should find something to wear. So I, hey. have, to, I have to pick up my dress from alterations. I'm, I'm again, I'm bringing up alterations, but yeah, no, I'm an anxious packer for sure. Just cause I, even though I'm not going to like a country that doesn't have toothpaste, like I'm literally, but you never know. You're state. like, I should bring three different kinds all in yeah. travel size. Cause you never know. No, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, well, I have to good, good. I'm good. I'm, it was a crazy week, like very busy. Um, so feeling like ah, good now, you know, yes. and you're like accomplished, but like exhausted, yes. but like that weird juxtaposition that I, I know all of us as dancers and performers feel. So yeah, feeling fulfilled and it's technically my weekend. So I'm yes. excited for a little bit of uh, rest and recovery, but I have to brag on you for my, for all of our followers. Um, I guess we should probably put our personal Instagrams out there as Wait, well. Yeah, we need to do <laughs> Why that. do we never do Wait, this? I'm so sorry. I have to interrupt. I just, I never understood what R&R meant until this, this moment. <laughs> We're not cutting this out, by the way. It's staying. No, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. But it, it's rest and recovery. I, I made that up. I think, well, I always get it confused with R&D, which is like research and development. And then, yeah. I don't know. I say I'm having an R&R weekend. I'm like, I wonder what that means. It must mean rest. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was like rest and reload. (laughs) See, you never know what you'll learn when you tune into Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex, including (laughs) ourselves. Yeah. Um, No. Okay. So backtrack here, scatterbrained. Um, You guys need to give Alex a follow. Her Instagram handle is at Alex Yonk because she just posted the most beautiful class uh, from Katie Tate, who we've also had on the podcast before. She's worked with Nappy Tabs, Jennifer Lopez, so many huge big names, but she's such an incredible choreographer and mover. And Alex, you're so stupidly talented. So this is just my Alex appreciation moment. Like it was so good to watch you just like dance and tear it up. So definitely uh, if you're listening, Listening, check it out because you need to you deserve it <laughs> thank you so much you know i this will go into our like our little i really appreciate that like seriously so much but to go with kind of our intro chat today i've gotten really a lot better at um dancing like from my emotions uh it, rather than like getting the steps perfectly and mm-hmm. i still like I still struggle with that, but I feel like I can finally be like, okay, no, I'm just going to genuinely like feel the moment and feel the emotions, whether or not it's perfect. And so I'm getting better at it and it feels really good, but thank well, you so it's, much. It's working and it was beautiful, but thank you. yeah, let's, um, let's segue into our discussion, which, um, 
Later, well, we should back this up. Later in our episode, we are joined by an amazing, incredible human, Miss Stephanie Martinez. She is the founder of Paramar, which is a relatively new contemporary dance company based out of Chicago. Uh, but listen in because you definitely want to hear her story, her journey, how they created it, and where you can catch Paramar coming up. Yeah, and so, definitely, you guys, make sure you're following them on the website at paramardance.com. And also follow them on Instagram at that same handle. That way you can see where all their other performances are. Cause they sounds like they're traveling and performing everywhere. So really stay up to date with that. And then if you also want to donate and support or send it off to other people who want to donate and support, that is really, really key. So we'll post all of that stuff in our descriptions below for you guys. Her use. Yes. Artists supporting artists. So necessary and so beautiful. So um, now I feel like we're so scatterbrained this episode, but that's fine. You know, <laughs> such is life. Um, okay, so back on track for our conversation today, which um, I wanted to chat about fears and insecurities, yes. which I know it sounds like we went into a minor key, but I think I want to talk about it because it shouldn't be a minor thing. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be something that I feel like fears are made worse because we isolate ourselves in our own fears. When in reality, if you find a community and find a someone else to express that fear to, you realize that you're not alone, you're not crazy, and it's much more manageable. So um, I guess, Alex, why don't you uh, kick it off, uh, tying it back into what we're saying about emotions and all that? Yeah, well, it's difficult. I'm not sure how you felt about it growing up, but as a dancer, I feel like I never worried about what other people were going to think. I just kind of was so playful and confident and I didn't have any fear and the fears definitely came in like end of college and then branching off into being a professional. I was so fearful of all the things that could go wrong, not booking the jobs that I wanted right away and kind of feeling that fear. And it's almost, um, it's not crippling. Yeah. Crippling where like you feel like Mm -hmm. you literally, you literally can't even show your best self and show your talents. Cause you're just so worried about what people are going to think of you. And there's something, and it goes along too, with having confidence, but there, I saw a video the other day. It was uh, a guy talking about how his father taught him about confidence and, and having no fear. So if you have two glasses of water and you're pouring water into one glass and you do it kind of fearfully and with the lack of confidence, water spills like all mm-hmm. over the place. But if you're like forceful with it and you just go for it and you just like yeah. pour the water into the glass, like, it all goes into the glass. It's not splattering around everywhere. And it's, uh, it's one of the best things I've seen in a while. And I feel like with dance, it's that same thing when we're kind of like tiptoeing and fearful things aren't real, don't really go in our favor, but it's better to be like strong and wrong. Amen. I want that on my tombstone when I die, probably from doing something wrong. And hopefully (laughs) I did it really strong, but Yeah. yeah, it's commitment. And it's, I, I can relate. I know we can all relate, but It's funny too, as a kid, you're fearless and you're like, there's no regrets. There's no consequences. But I feel like as you go through puberty, um, there, that's where the internal kind of like, I don't want to say body shaming, but kind of it is because you're figuring out and there's, you're, you're changing. And so you're not sure how to react to these changes. And I feel like then you kind of get over that hump and you're like, I'm owning it. I am who I am, um, both in and outside of dance. And then I feel like at least for me, then I also took a step backwards of being like, it's, it's weird. And I think it comes from a fear of being judged because Love you don't want to be, you don't want to be like not fully committed. Can I say half-assed? Sorry. I'm going to say half-assed. Yeah. You don't want to be, be half-assed with anything that you do, but then you also don't want to be looked at from others to be like, who does she think she is that she can come in here? When in reality, that's their insecurities they're exactly. projecting on you. But isn't it crazy? Like for me, for example, I'm, uh, if, if you don't know who I am, I'm a very, I'm a big person, I'm a big personality. I'm six foot two, I'm 200 pounds. Um, and I, I, I like to match my energy to that. It's just who I am authentically as myself. Um, and I find that I'm most proud and confident of myself when I'm honest to that. But as soon as, as soon as I get in my head of being like, am I too much? Am I yeah. obnoxious? Am I, uh, am I too crazy? Am I too out there? Then it's this internal spiral that 
really nobody else. That's not anybody else saying that to me. That's me saying it to me in fear of others. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that directly translates into dancing, especially when you're in class. Now, hear me out. There is an etiquette. And I think it's important, like you say, know the rules to then play with the rules. So I'm not saying walk into a room, you know, like being super loud on the phone, chewing gum, like still be respectful, but be fully committed to who you are in that lane of respect to those around you, to the teacher, the choreographer, and to the art form. I think that's something that deserves to be said too, but it's, it's a tough, tricky balance. And again, we're always lifted up and then, um, we face rejection all the time. And so, uh, it's easier said than done, but I think it's something personally, one of my biggest, I guess, fears is just the fear of judgment and insecurity that comes with that, that I think we're all trying to shed. And it takes years of maturity and trial and error. Like someone like me, I, I, my, my own insecurities majorly get in the way because I sometimes don't like how I feel when I'm too much, uh, like verbally, I guess when I dance too much, I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. But like (laughs) verbally, when I'm talking about dancer, if I'm in a rehearsal, like I don't like how I feel when I'm being very extra. And so then that's my insecurity because that's usually people like to have, you know, really positive energy and good energy back and forth. But it is, it is tough. And I feel like for anyone out there who might be relating to this or dealing with this, a good thing to do is kind of check in and know that I, I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I'm an audition, I don't have those fears. I'm like, Oh my God. Totally. Like, and why go is that? Because I'm like, I, I'm going to show my best self. I know I'm going to show my best self and I'm, that's going to get me X, Y, and Z. So if we kind of att- like that lovely, lovely saying, treat every class, like an audition, every audition, like a class mm-hmm. going in with the class being like, okay, I can not be cocky, but I can give, full energy is everything. And teachers want that too. No teacher mm-hmm. wants everybody to give 50%. No. Commitment. And I notice all the time with my students, like we'll do jazz walks. And then yes, I was like, going to say this. Oh my I'll gosh. Be like, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll turn off the music. I'll be like, just so you guys know, I'm not going to judge you for, for going for it. I was like, I might judge you for not going, not for, going it. for it. And like, I don't want to use, I was like, I try not to say judgment, but like, if there's anything you should be fearful of, it's not doing it full out. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to put into words, but yeah, I, I urge everybody to kind of push yourself uh, and push your body in a healthy way where you feel like you can own it, own your insecurities and just commit 100% commit. because it's just a lot, life will be a lot easier if you go for it instead of being timid. With totally. our art, art form. We can be timid at the gas station and timid at at a restaurant or whatever. But like when we're in on the dance floor and on stage, that's the time to show what we have. Yeah. Which takes practice, both physically, practice. emotionally. Um, but it, it, this ties in so perfectly to what Stephanie's going to discuss later. So I don't want to give away too much details, but it's, it's like that saying, you know, be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Right. And or, you know, be be if if you're too much for some people, those aren't your people, you know? And so, so it's just true. Uh, being authentically who you are. And I think that is, that's what people are drawn to is, is just authenticity and, and, and living fearlessly. Um, what is it? Unapologetically yourself. I think that's like a Rihanna album or something, but yes. well, let, um, let's get a little less deep. What about like physical fears? And I will start with this one. I, so I've, performed uh with Cirque du Soleil now for two years I've I was over at La Reve before that I am so scared of flying I don't know how you do heart how you did harness work especially like both of those shows um and anyone in the acrobatic world it's like oh sure flying that's great that's fine whatever but especially as a dancer I'm curious did you ever have that fear of like oh my gosh I'm now up in the air hanging by two point harness from your hips like Uh, I have goosebumps right now. (laughs) Yes. And what I used to do, I got used to it. And then um, I had gotten into an accident um, at the show. And so after that, my fear crept back in after I had Mm. really, I had really spent a a lot of time being like, okay, I'm good. But what I would do is I had a routine um, up in the grid, which uh, for our listeners, that's kind of the area, the plateau area above the stage where where you usually get hooked in your harness and then lowered down. And I did everything the same every night. And I said a little prayer and then I would hold my body 
And I'd be like, you're good. Like, you got this. And then yeah. while I was on stage, luckily it was like a very, it was for something. So it was like a sensual number. I would like to place my hand on my heart and I would like physically touch myself where like my shoulders were, where my heart was. And that would calm me down. Yeah. And then I felt like I, I was like telling myself it would be okay. And then I could move through it. And it was really great. But I was, I was more fearful, like of slipping in sweat or when uh, at love, when the stage would get uh, condensation um, mm-hmm. from the fog, I have felt like I slipped a lot. I also had a carpet from the grid fall on me during cool hey june so like actually weirdly enough like a lot of this stuff was like random (laughs) a carpet falling on my head um like slipping on confetti slipping on condensation that was those were always kind of my fears i have a fear of slipping when it's not uh, when it's out of my control like i don't like ice skating like i I don't I don't, I, don't, like, I don't like feeling shout a, out to any ice skater. I don't know how you do what you do, but I love watching it. Yeah. You're beautiful. It's amazing, but, but you do it. Cause I'm I, scared. <laughs> I need to feel grounded and in the air, I still feel grounded. Like I, I feel like I don't wear socks dancing anymore unless it's going to be slidey movement. Cause I like, mm-hmm. rip, I need to feel grounded. Um, I'm a total earth sign. Maybe that's where that comes, <laughs> comes from. I don't know. What about you? Okay. What are some like, Rational and irrational fears. Um, I uh, I don't know. I this, I sound like such a, a worry wart, but I'm always scared of getting injured, like to the point where I will have to take X amount of time off. And luckily, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had too many injuries. You know, I, I've broken my foot. I've had shoulder yeah. surgery. Um, but I think kind of like you, because I've gone through that and because I know the 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 craziness that I feel when I'm not dancing. And I mean, hello, 2020, this yeah. entire time. Um, I, I, I fear not being able to dance for whatever reason, but like, how do I deal with it? Um, you know, just try and avoid high risk activities. I love to go skiing, but we yeah. avoid anything higher than a blue square or, um, <laughs> you know, and, and with that realizing that there, I, I'm constantly co- cross training or, exactly. Uh, just trying to keep myself as healthy as it can, as healthy as my body can be, because those are truly things that are out of your control and you're going to waste your, I'm saying, I'm talking to uh, myself right now in Amir, you're wasting <laughs> your time stressing about that. But, yeah. um, a good tripping, thing, a good ooh, thing. dropping a partner. Sorry. That's like, oh yeah. which I will, I will proudly say I, I take a lot of pride in my Never. partnering, but I think there is one, t- <laughs> one time I can think of, um, this is for, for anyone that knows, uh, Rebecca, uh, Descate, or as we call her in Vegas, Bex, uh, we were partnering, uh, doing something. It was like a gig in Arizona and you know, like the unwind disco death drop. So it's like, you're in a cradle, but it's like an awkward yes, hand and then you favorite. unwind. It's so great, right? And Bex is like probably 5'10". She's tall, gorgeous, like drink of water. And we went to go do it. And she was the best sport. But for whatever reason, my hand grip or something slipped. And she just unwound straight to the floor. Oh, it was Phantom of the Opera themed, of course. So we're all like, la, 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 drama. And she hit the ground and got up so quick. So anyways, I can proudly say I think that's one of the very few times I've dropped a partner at Bex for listening. I love you. Um, And yeah, she was just such a champ. But yeah, anything like overhead, I ah, no matter... I kind of adopt your, your strategy of just being like, Hey, you know, you can do this. You know, you're strong. You know, you have a good working relationship with your partner. Um, and just breathe, taking, listen yeah, and connect, breathe. breathe, listen, connect, breathe, stretch, shake, yeah. let it go. Breathe, stretch, shake. Wait, you brought, you reminded me. Oh, okay. Watch Alex is going to be like, Taylor, you dropped me these four times. No. <laughs> oh my God, no. Taylor, Taylor, you guys is the best partner I've ever had in my entire life. He's so strong. This but, is just the narcissistic episode that we yeah, just love on each other. Each other <laughs> um, but okay. So I do have nightmares about forgetting, forgetting, uh, oh my gosh. on stage. And one time for choreographer showcase years ago, I, I had, I didn't forget the choreography, but just everything was going wrong during our first <laughs> rehearsal. Great. And I was wearing a leotard with these leggings over and I had to do this lift where 
my calves were on my partner's shoulders. And then I had to do like basically a huge sit up. Yeah. 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 Get up. And my, my pants, he was like holding my pants too tight and my pants oh my. slid off. And I was Stop. like, wearing, wearing my leotard. And we, he was like, had to rotate in a turn as this is happening. And I have a video of it. And I'm just like trying to hike up my, my pants. <laughs> but is it on stage probably? And then that happened. We couldn't finish the lift, obviously. Great, great. And then later my other partner, I kicked him and we like went tumbling onto the floor. And it was like one of those nightmares where like, you're, you're just going into everything you're doing everything wrong but to be honest i was not focused so it wasn't like i was trying really hard and then it wasn't working out it was like no alex you did not show up today prepared <laughs> yeah no well and kind of br- like bringing this full circle i think what i've discovered in talking about all of our fears here both on a more interpersonal level and just like physical fears so much of that can be avoided or resolved with proper preparation of just yeah. taking a br- taking a breath taking a moment and and preparing yourself for what you're about to get into. So, so I think, um, yeah, something that I need to remind myself of always. And I think it's a, it's a great idea for any dancer out there, no matter if you're in class, if you're on stage, if you're trying to get your pants up over your butt, <laughs> over your butt uh, while mid lift, but no, that's incredible. So amazing. Well, well, Hey, let's, let's transition this bad boy into our interview with Stephanie. You guys, it is incredible. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. everybody let's please welcome our incredible guest to the podcast miss stephanie martinez stephanie welcome we're so excited to have you thank you so much guys thank you for having me uh this is a true honor and a pleasure and um i love having conversations about making art yes oh my gosh is that not the truest thing yeah, that, that's what a, what a beautiful <laughs> statement to kick us off with well stephanie where are you uh zooming in from I'm currently in Chicago, where I uh, live with my husband, Jim Bennett. Um, he also teaches yoga. So this is really my home base, but I, I work I work all over. But this is, this is home. Amazing. Alex and I both, we love Chicago. We both spent, um, I don't know if you know this, but we went to college together. Uh, we both studied dance at the University of Arizona, and we trained uh, many of summers um, in Chicago with River North Dance Chicago with Giordano. So it's definitely Chicago like hits home for both of us. Absolutely. So I was just about to say, I love Chicago <laughs> so much. Great, great Chicago yeah, summers yeah. in our, in our past couple of years. Yeah. It's a fantastic place to call home and there's so much vibrancy and life to the city and support of the arts that I just really can't imagine living other places. Although I think about it often when it's cold. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm that girl. I'm right there. I, as soon as we get under 30 degrees, I'm like, no, thanks. I don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to kick us off so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Where are you from and what is your dance background? question. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas, born and raised. So, you know, not a place where I grew up dancing. I did not start dancing very different kind of trajectory when I was 18. I was very late, pretty much unheard of. And there was not a lot that was offered in El Paso. I mean, there was folklorico, there was social dancing, but in terms of concert dance, you know, I was a swimmer. I was a runner uh, throughout my childhood and early development years. And then I came to Chicago. I did, it was either Chicago or New York. And Chicago seemed less scary at the time. I've lived in both. So I chose Chicago. I was really interested in just the dance scene. And I had a friend, I'll make this quick, that was training for a triathlon. And she said, why don't you just come up for the summer before you go to Pepperdine on a swimming scholarship, which is where I was supposed to go. And come and just hang out. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? What, what do we do? And she goes, I'm sponsored. I have a hotel. Just go take some dance classes. And I said, okay. So I went and I took a dance class, or I thought was a dance class, at Gus Giordano. And it ended up being an audition. And I got a scholarship. I received a scholarship that day. And told my mother and father that I was moving to Chicago to become a dancer. 
that did not go over very well. They were in complete and utter shock. But I knew, I just knew in my bones that this is what I should be doing. And that was the first start of my actual training. And then I went on to Hubbard Street and trained there. And then I was an original member of River North in Chicago. So that's really kind of the, the platform in which I had started uh, dancing. What Very- an incredible platform wow. this is meant to be. I'm like in shock. <laughs> this is this is like our last few interviews have been like the series of the late bloomers. And I mean that in the most loving way because yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. Alex and I both started dancing at a very young age, but we're so intrigued by hearing these um, stories of dancers, artists, performers that started at such a, a later age and blossomed into this career, which sounds like it happened kind of on accident, but like what a beautiful accident that it was. So, wow, that's, that's incredible. So a class turned audition turned career. Okay. So let's continue on this narrative. We moved to Chicago um, and where from obviously dancing professionally in all these incredible companies, um, did at what point did you realize, hey, I, I, I love choreographing. I love teaching. I, I, I love doing more than just performing. For me, it was, again, a late bloomer situation. Eduardo Valaro from Ballet Hispanico, and he was uh, Luna Negra's artistic director at the time, and I danced with him as well. I spent most of my career at River North, but then after leaving River North, I guested a lot with Luna Negra. And he said, why don't you choreograph for a 10 year anniversary at the Harris? I'd never made anything in my life. I mean, I think I was already making things when I was in the studio with choreographers and I was always that kind of dancer that was whatever you want, I'll do it. Just tell me what it is. What, what are we doing? And I took a chance and he took a chance on me and gave me my first commission And ever since then, I just started slowly inching my way into figuring out what my voice was, figuring out the type of work I want to make. It's very different now than when I was younger. You know, I started making work when I was 40. Again, very unheard of. And I thought, just make work that is important to you, that talks about the narrative that you want to talk about. And people will respond if it's authentic and it's real. I mean, you are coming at this with such an amazing approach that I think a lot of dancers kind of need to embrace is just kind of taking things as they come because we all become such planners. We're like, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z. I really need to do all of this before I can do this rather than being open. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, being open to opportunities. And like you said, like these opportunities are presented to you and you just say, okay, whatever you need, I'll do it. And then kind of running with that rather than being so um, stubborn with what we want to do, you kind of are just open to those opportunities. And I think that's, what's made you so successful and now have everybody else know your name and want to bring you into set pieces. But I have a quick question for you just from a um, like detail financial standpoint, what does it mean to be commissioned? I think for our listeners too, who may not be familiar, what are kind of the details about that? Cause I'm actually pretty unfamiliar. People are just kind of like, what's your rate? And then it's done. I've never done anything on that. I feel like that's a term that gets thrown around um, kind of, uh, Definitely on the professional level, but um, I, I remember being in college and, and yeah, hearing that commission. What does that mean? Is it a, dive into that? <laughs> Educate me. I am slowly navigating what that meant. And, and when I started, a commission means that you, of course, make a work for an organization. They pay you a rate, which is still very ominous. And navigating it is just something that I just started asking my contemporaries. I just start, what do I charge for this? Or, you know, I'm every once in a while I laugh because I'm in my middle fifties now. And I, I still have people saying I'm emerging. I'm not sure where I'm emerging from, but that is a term 
Okay. I love that so much. Always emerging is, I feel like a tagline. <laughs> for ever emerging. Ever, ever emerging. That, that's the name of our coffee table book coming soon. Through <laughs> the land, sea, air. Um, but I think a commission can be anything. I mean, I'm hoping that with anybody that will accept one, there's always pay, there's transparency in what you're making. And there should be a code of ethics around it. I think depending on your rate, some, some are like $200 an hour when you first start, $300 an hour. It can go up. I've heard people charge $1,000 a minute. You know, So it ju- really just depends on where you are. I think that's probably, it's been the most difficult. One of the most difficult parts for me is negotiating as a female, as a female of color, as a Latin. It, it is knowing your worth and not digging your heels into the ground, but what you're willing to accept to show your work. So there's a, there's a balance there. If I do this, I get this, make, make the work you want to make and then build your repertoire and then start to go out there and, and, and send it away. And I think that is, I'm still in process of doing that, um, building my voice building um, just how I want to have people see me. And that, that also comes into now I have an agent. It's taken me a while because I, I don't, I don't enjoy the back and forth. It's, it's very nerve wracking and I want to stay on the artistic side, but I would say for young choreographers to know your worth and to ask for what you need. Don't, but live in reality as well. Don't don't live in a dreamland that somebody's been doing it for 15 years. But you should always be paid. You should always be paid for your work and asking for a video and time and who are the dancers just for transparency in the commission is key. Nobody should have a job that they don't know what the bottom line is. In any world, including the dance world, we need to know. We blur that line a lot, though, in the dance world because we just are, we are these creatives. And it's, so you bring up a great point, too. It's tough because we all can't be a part of the Balanchine Trust. You know, <laughs> I, when I think about, when I think about companies like commission, getting commissioned work and stuff, they're part of this large organization and but there's every choreographer nowadays is pretty much an individual so that makes it difficult it's not like balancing can be like okay yeah we're charging you know fifteen thousand thirty thousand for this piece and they have a whole team to make sure that happens and it all happens in their guidelines and it's it's got to be so tough being an individual choreographer who is renowned and then kind of figuring that out it's just got to be so difficult i mean you bring up so many great points there yeah, and to elaborate on on what you said, Stephanie, I I, I want to congratulate you and kind of dive into a point that you said that you represent so many communities here. Being a woman, being a woman of color, being a Latin woman, how was that emerging into <laughs> ever emerging, ever emerging into the scene, both as a dancer and a choreographer, like kind of trailblazing that path. You know, at the time, especially when I was a dancer, I didn't really, I just really wanted to dance. And, but, but there was a hard line of, we don't know where to put you because you're not dark enough. You're not white enough. Are you Latin? Are you Greek? Where do we put, I mean, I was even auditioning after River North for Broadway shows. And I remember some of the, these choreographers, we just don't really know where to put you. And I thought, just put me in a, kick-ass dance track is where you i love that i was just gonna say just um, rewind that everyone go back 15 seconds just listen to that a few more times because that is so true this role and it's not about the color of your skin it's about the skill level of what you're doing and diverse voices and the world is a big place it has so many different types of people so many different types of point of view and if you see one point of view over and over again, it really alienates other diverse voices to be able to see themselves on stage. And it was always, I mean, there's not, a, there's a lot of female choreographers, but I don't, 
I still feel like access is probably the hardest um, thing that we still deal with is having access to these bigger companies and the glass ceiling is still low and it's it, it, it that I think I think that's the toughest part was for me personally because it was like who are you why should we give you a job what's your pedigree I mean a couple of people have actually asked me those did you study where did you and so it's not who I was it's what I'm doing now what what is the work do you like it you seem to like it but it's this old guard that keeps happening sometimes in the past and I think for me, I have such classicism in my body, but I also have so much other memory. Sorry. I have other memories and other wisdoms in my body that I'd like to share and that I feel that people really um, are now wanting to see, listen, and watch. That's so beautiful and so well said. Circling back to, to what we were saying um, at the beginning about being a late bloomer. I think that's kind of a hidden gem or a silver lining of being a late bloomer is um, being able to, to know your worth in a more, um, I don't want to say practical, but mo more just realistic way. Uh, whereas I feel like when you were raised in the dance community, those lines, like Alex was saying, get blurred. And it, it, it is tough because it's our passion. So it's hard to put a price on our passion and, and what we know and what we love. But I just have to commend you because it's, it's something that I also need to remind myself of. And Alex and any educators out there is it's just, it's just, this is the work and this is who we are. And it's, it's uh, when it does get to a business standpoint or a casting standpoint. It's just putting yourself forward proudly, boldly, and knowing that that's all you can do, right? And 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 standing in that pride of your work. So that's that's so beautiful. So I, th I thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so let's continue again on this journey. At what point, um, Stephanie, were you like, you know what? I think I think I'm going to do my own company. I think I'm going to make my own thing. I think I'm going to take control. At what point um, in your career did you know that that was in your timeline? Well, I mean, in, in terms of starting my own company, Hadamar, which is barely a year old, you know, the pandemic hit, everybody was kind of scrambling. I saw my work drying up. There was a loud cry of a lot of extremely talented dancers that were just forgotten. And I saw careers ending. I saw careers not even beginning. And it was, I do a lot of mentorship and I thought, okay, you can either sit in your apartment and just wait, or you can activate your brain and make yourself really uncomfortable and start. It was a decision I, I actually meditated on and, and said, are you ready to be uncomfortable, like severely uncomfortable? Are you ready to go into the unknown? Are you ready to be brave and courageous when everything is dying around you? And it was really that like start, start something and stop waiting for permission to get work. I don't need to ask permission. I, okay, uh, like on the verge of tears. So many was, things, so yeah. many things I want to say, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're, uh, I commend you on that because it's really difficult to do. And I know um, I've heard that quote, like from the principal or the principal, the president of Harvard University saying like Harvard, Harvard grads don't get jobs, they create jobs. And it's a very, honestly, I, it's a really good quote on it. It's, it's great, but I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brene Brown. Um, and she, I am, but I, I don't know a lot about her. I know that she's just extremely intelligent and prolific. You and, and badass. <laughs> you sounded just like her right now. I just watched her Netflix special and she talked so much about how, you cannot move forward and be great in your life unless you're uncomfortable. And she talks about how you have to put yourself, she calls it the arena 
of like blood, sweat and tears and being embarrassed and being really low a lot of the times. But that is the only way that you are able to create a better world for yourself and for others. It's the only way. And she talks about that at length. So it's amazing that you say that on your own and you have that strength to be like, I'm going to be uncomfortable. But you also are seeing the world around you being like, I'm seeing all these amazingly talented dancers and I'm going to create a space for them, which is huge. So congrats to you on that. It's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 so beautiful too. I'm I'm a big fan of find the comfort in the discomfort because we're not we're not going to be comfortable for a majority of our lives. So um, then branching off of that again, going back to kind of business mindset. Okay, so you you go on this endeavor to create this company and create opportunities um, and kind of create your space, which then also allows for this, as you were saying, Stephanie authentic place to share, to share work and to share, I think not only just, um, that business air quotes for those that can't see me, uh, discomfort, but to be able to express that discomfort and that, um, that journey, that, 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 that finding that authenticity, um, in an artistic and creative way. So I think, I think that's so, so incredible. And, um, yeah, bravo to you for, for the creation of Parmar. So, um, where, where do we stand now with the company? You said she's just over uh, a year old and let's, let's dive into that a little more. We're, we're a year old. We just had, um, a, we just were voted. I have, a the audience can't see, but we were both voted Chicago best of the new Chicago, uh, number one, um, which was fantastic. Uh, I love the new Chicago. I mean, that's huge coming out of pandemic. It's already like, okay, we have this new Chicago out of the pandemic and here we are. And now everyone's attention is going to be on you guys. And it also, we had uh, fearlessly inspired by Stephanie Martinez. And again, our first show last fall was in a parking lot in a Latin and uh, black and brown neighborhood. And I plopped a big red rug in the middle of this parking lot hired dancers from all over and brought the flu that we created um, over Zoom. I created KISS over Zoom. And then we all got into the studio and it was kind of like I was a coach that said, okay, you go stage right, stage left. I would draw it. And everybody, when we all finally nine dancers were brought in, we put it together, we performed it outside and it has had legs ever since. We just did the Carmel Dance Festival, uh, led by um, Lillian Barbado, and it, she was she was with Body Traffic, and now she's the founder and director of uh, the Carmel Dance Festival. So the dancers just came back. They are now coming back for Dance for Life. We had the St. Louis Dance Festival. We are partnering up with um, Ballet Des Moines and doing a full evening with our dancers. With so we're really changing the model of what dance is and how you can integrate different uh, interdisciplinary companies together. And, and that's what it's all about. It's not just, here's the thing we do. This is what it is. It can be. And we're small enough where we can navigate that, where it's, it's actually possible to move and shift and, um, you know, the next thing that I'm hoping to do in the fall is a, is a work um, inspired by the idea of unladylike. You, you have it. I think the key to why it's been so successful is just what you just said about having your hand in every kind of place you can. It's not just like, okay, we only perform in Chicago. Then we go on tour and then we do like a Europe tour. You have opportunity opportunity and going like doing Carmel dance, like everything. That's what makes, first of all, everybody get to know who you are Mm -hmm. and everybody, you know, see that you, it's this new company coming out of the pandemic, which is huge, but that is so incredible. Did you, do you find it difficult to organize the schedule at all? Do you feel like it kind of flows? Uh, it's extremely difficult and I, I do not do the schedule. Noel Kayser is my rehearsal director. Adriana Durant is our executive director and they are just beast. I am telling you, there's the three of us and I live more in the creative, but they keep the company moving and flowing. And, you know, there's a lot of learning 
when you start a company and, and the trajectory of how we're moving quickly, most companies don't move that fast in their first year. So learning how to navigate a tour, learning how to navigate, you know, still the protocols of everything that's happening in our country, being very mindful of that. The dance artists are, are freelancers and they're founding members, but those nine schedules, I mean, wrap your head around those, you know, we're all very busy. So in just, just the day to day, the fundraising, all of the things that people have teams for, there's three of us. So it's a lot of, how are we going to get this done, but we're going to figure it out. And that's, that's just what we do. That's what I do. I, I, if I don't understand it, if I don't know, I'm still at my age, extremely teachable. And I think that's key. I think everybody needs to be teachable until the last moment. (laughs) I feel like that we, I feel like that's the, where frustration comes from when people are like so stubborn and I don't want to learn it. I I've been living for X amount of years. Like, why do I have to learn more? It's like, there is constant change going on. We always have more to learn. Or so I had to get that out. Unwillingness to adapt to current situations, which again, bringing this back to creating um, a dance company in the current situations, um, but also knowing like Stephanie, your years of experience as a dancer, as a choreographer, and then, taking that knowledge and being like, Hey, yes, this is knowledge that I have to move forward with my company, but what do I want to change? What did I not like? And we talk about this a lot in this podcast too, about kind of restructuring the conversation, um, and making the dance community a better place than we found it. Um, and I think that you're absolutely doing just that. Um, and again, I commend you for that. Um, but Moving, moving forward, um, you said nine dancers in the company that you have at the moment. There's nine dancers. Uh, we're all sometimes there might be less, sometimes mm-hmm. there might be more, but they are um, they they flow in and out depending on their schedules, and they're from everywhere. They're from all over. That's so, so interesting. So. It, I know you said that you had created a work over Zoom. Um, is that primarily still your main method of like rehearsal and communication? Do you guys rehearse in person? Um, How does that work? Right now it is. I mean, for Kiss, it was already curated, but then we just did Thawne right before the Comrade Dance Festival. And I, Kiss was in three sections. Lucas Crandall from NDT did a solo for Ching Ching Wong. Uh, and Jennifer Archibald, a dear friend, did walk and she did a full uh, 17, 18 minutes. So it was really a show in a huge, beautiful warehouse where there were the rugs, three different rugs. So I curated people not only six feet apart on stage, but also the audience. So it was an immersive experience where you saw it from different perspectives but right now, in terms of Zoom, we're doing that. And then the dancers fly in. I'm going to Tulsa Ballet tomorrow. I actually leave. Um, and that's an in-person thing. But then I come back and we do Dance for Life here in Chicago. So flying all the dancers in, doing Dance for Life. And then we're going to do a pop-up in Black and Brown communities as an offering. And the model of Potomar right now is pay what you can. You don't have to. If you can't afford, you are still welcome to come see the show. I just got chills. I'm sorry. I had to say, because again, talking about making, presenting dance in a better light um, than generationally in the past. Oh, you can't afford to go see the ballet. You can't afford to go see dance. It's like so, so necessary to make dance accessible to everyone and even more so um, in communities that, that may not innately have that ability. So I just had to vocalize my, my, yeah. my goosebumps there. Yeah. But it changes the trajectory too, of people who get to see you and, and now have the opportunity to watch it. It's and get to see dance and, they, and get art to see dance and say, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what I want to do next. Or I want to know more about this. I mean, it's truly a domino effect, um, which is amazing. But if you can't for our listeners, how did you come up with the name for your company? And what inspired that? Because I think that's super important as well and difficult to do because it's hard to find <laughs> titles for <laughs> to things. To brand yourself, yeah. <laughs> brand yourself, it's, it's difficult. 
it was. I mean, Pata means, as you guys know, my Mexican heritage, which inspired the naming of Pata, which means together with and for Pata. And then Mar, my last name. So I sandwiched them together in true form of I'm a part of the community. I'm a part of the fabric together with and for. And then my, my last name, Martinez, I had to I had to put something in there. So that's really how it was inspired. And I think um, it really celebrates the rich history of my family name and culture. That's absolutely beautiful and amazing. And wow. I mean, and thoughtful. I mean, yeah, it's it's so incredible. Yeah. Stephanie, I have to ask, um, what is one thing um, either as a dancer, a choreographer, um, a, a, a artistic director, what is one thing that um, you would say is, is, is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned um, in your career? Sorry, I know I just was like, hey, here's your entire career. What's one thing? But uh, if there's anything that comes to mind that you can share with our listeners, that something that you've learned that you wish you knew maybe at a younger age. I think for me, I, it's so hard because I've, I've learned a lot of lessons. I feel like I've you know, if I'm going to be really transparent, been beat up a little bit along the way. And I, I need to say it because it, it, it will happen. But I think mm-hmm. waking up every day with true intention. I mean, I wake up, I put my feet on the ground and I'm quiet and I take a deep breath and I ask for inspiration. I ask for bravery. I ask Um, for tenacity and creativity and to do what I need to do that day to keep moving art forward um, ethically and um, in a, in a mentorship type of way. So every day is like, what am I going to do just today? There's yes, there's big picture, but how am I going to move the needle forward every day? And I think we get, we can get overwhelmed by so much to do, but what can you do in one day on a daily basis? And then it starts to get bigger and bigger. And then you build something instead of like, Oh my gosh, I have to do all. And I do have those days, but staying in the moment. And again, putting my feet on the ground, having my list and being prepared for the moment when it comes, you know, you have to, and then sometimes you're not, sometimes I'm not, I, I, I've never done a, I'm going to be working with Chicago Shakespeare, um, all's well that ends well. They came to see the show, no dancing, but I've never worked in that type of capacity. And like, it's movement, it's narration, it's dramaturgy. This is your jam. Go for it. That's, that's really, again, figuring it out and trusting your, guttural instincts that everybody there's room for everybody is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. There's room for everybody. And just like you said, being task oriented and doing just day by day steps, we don't think about it, but when we grow up and whether if we just take school as a specific example in kindergarten or first grade, you're slowly just doing things day by day. No one's like, okay, by the end of the year, we need to do this. You literally just learn things day by day. And then all of a sudden you've graduated high school and you've just taken those daily things. It's the same thing, but now you're out of that school structure and you're doing, having to do it on your own, but it's good to have, you know, the atmosphere of a big picture, but you're doing little steps each, each day for that. And I think that's the key to being, and success can mean whatever it, awareness, whatever you want it to mean. And it's different uh, with everyone's perspective, but being successful and intentional with everything that you do and having something to show for it, you have to take small steps. You can't be so stressed and anxious about the large things and wanting too much. Totally. Intention and being in touch with your purpose. I think a lot of dancers, especially artists, because again, this isn't necessarily a structured um, industry or career path. And we are typically very creative. And so I feel like it can be, at least from a, a personal standpoint, I get almost intimidated sometimes with the vastness of 
places to go and opportunities and things to do and 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 how do I get there but again it, it's I agree with you Stephanie it's it's the the waking up every morning and being what is my intention what am I going to get to today and and whatever I get today is is going to be okay and that's enough and I need to be okay with being enough in each moment in each day so beautiful beautifully said I do want to ask um shifting gears back to a creative standpoint um with the intention of choreographing when you know you want to set a piece or, or you are commissioned to set a piece um, where does that process start for you is it a concept is it music is it visualization where does the creative process begin for you I think for me I don't it's interesting and I I've been asked this a lot I don't have a formula per se of what I like to create I mean every company is different. And I really go in there working with the bodies in front of me. I'm not a, I'm not interested in a cookie cutter situation. I really actually can't deal with it at all. Um, I like individuals. So that is, is very important that people have their own identity when they're in the room. I prefer that. Um, I do gravitate towards um, theatrical elements at its core um, it involves a very clean environment. What else? Um, uh, I give myself concise definitions on, um, like I said, dramaturgy. I really, I read a lot. I am inspired by things around me. If I'm listening to maybe something that I shouldn't be listening to on the street. And I take all of these elements and then try to give the viewer an experience. And really the dance steps are last. I, I am um, maniacal about concept and about environment and about where you are, why are you there and what's your purpose and not to the point of paralyzation, but to give the dancer a place to be and real skin in the game. So they are equally as invested when we start talking about these ideas and I'm really open to things changing and moving, but there's a clear um, stylistic approach that I, that I need and a technical approach, but if you can move that's and move with honesty and move from the inside out and, and, and change the tone of your body and what's, what's the rate of which you're doing something and, psychologically what happens right before you do that I'm interested in. And I feel like it reads when somebody knows where they're at on stage instead of just, and architecturally I get into that as well, but at the, at the root of it, my dancers know where they are. I can't believe you just said architecturally. Cause I just was watching a video about how dancers are actually architects um, just in a more, in a different way. Uh, but it sounds, and I've seen your work before as well. Um, uh, back when I was a uh, guest artist uh, at UNLV, I saw your piece that you had set there and it was absolutely beautiful. But even just watching your work, you set the environment for the dancers to breathe into it is how I could describe it. Like the environment is very much real, which is really difficult to do. And you are a master at it, which is, which is amazing. But uh, for our listeners... What is uh, kind of the upcoming events? I know you had mentioned Dance for Life, but from uh, Paramar, what is upcoming in this year and next year? And where can everybody see your work and kind of keep up with you guys? Well, thank you. Um, I think what, what's coming up? Well, we are in process of talking with Ballet Des Moines. We're doing a collaboration. There are a couple of other things coming up, but they're, they're at the they're just in the burner situation. So I don't really want to no spoiler alerts yet. So contracts are signed. <laughs> you can go to Potomar dance theater on Instagram and check us out. That's really where you'll know about any robust happenings that are going on and just please follow us, support us in any way. Even if it's just a like, um, we, we like we're a baby company. We need the love. And um, we'll love you back. 
Absolutely. Stephanie, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. I don't know where that 40 minutes went because honestly, I blanked and it's gone, but gone in such a good way that's leaving me so inspired and um, both creatively and just in life. I think everything that you've said today can really hit home with anyone regarding intentions, regarding purpose, regarding um, knowing yourself and putting that forward. So thank you again so, so much for sharing all of that um, with us and our listeners for being on the podcast today. Of course, we will have all of uh, the information for Paramar and Stephanie Martinez listed in our description below. So be sure to check them out. Give them some love. Give them some follow. Um, some follow? Give them some love yeah. and give them a follow. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and you keep keep doing what you're doing. This is very inspiring to see young people just connected and um, yeah, just let's keep moving it forward, guys, seriously, because these are the little things that I was talking about, having a conversation, a real conversation, not an ornamental one. And um, I, I, I can't tell you how great so thank you so much. That means so much, so much to both of us, especially mm -hmm. from someone like you. So thank you. And we are trying to make everybody a little bit more intentional in everything we're doing these days, especially in our dance community, because it's been missing, I feel like in the past however many years. So thank you so much. We appreciate your time, Stephanie. Uh, best of luck with uh, heading to Tulsa tomorrow. Safe travels. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to hopefully connecting in real life or at a show or at a performance sometime soon. But from all of us here at Inside Dance, we thank you so much and wish you the best. Thank you.